Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. We have an awesome episode for you today, but we just want to remind you before the episode starts that if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, please leave your comments for today's episode in the Q&A section under this episode. If you're listening on Apple, Google, or anywhere in between, please tweet Gary at Gary V. Make sure you join the Discord to stay up to date on all things V Friends. And we hope you enjoy this episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Gary V Audio Experience. Uh, in my continuation of finding interesting people to talk to and do original content, I'm excited about this one. I'm extremely excited about it because this was probably the most conversation pre-filming because I like to keep it very improv. But Steve hit me hard with his Jets fandom, and so that excites me. Uh, and then obviously for everybody listening at home, you know the journey I'm on with the Be Friends intellectual property and early on I thought I was going more Pokemon and Disney when I would talk to it about my friends but with the ambition I have of putting positivity into the world with the traits I, and just by meeting people along the way that worked with Jim Henson and things of that nature, I, I didn't realize how much Sesame Street DNA is in V Friends, and so it is a stunningly big honor of mine to have Steve on the show. Steve, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do, and then we'll rock and roll. All right, well, thank you for having me. Um, I am Steve Young, I'm the CEO of Sesame Workshop. And for those who don't know, you know, Sesame Workshop, best known for making Sesame Street, but we are a global um, not-for-profit media education organization with a mission of helping kids grow stronger, smarter, and kinder. And I like to the things, if you know three, four things about the workshop, we focus on early childhood because, you know, that's where you think you can have the greatest long-term impact and the business oriented, the greatest return on investment. You know, we focus on the cognitive skills, but really the whole child because we're really about getting the kid ready for life. And it's much more about, you know, numbers and writing. It's about social, emotional. It's about, uh, you know, positive identity. It's about, you know, emotional well-being. And that, you know, for two reasons, we focus on media. You because know, kids consume a lot of it in technology, and so it's never about if they're learning, it's about what they're learning. So let's harness that for something that can prepare them for life. But also, from the day one, when Joan and Lloyd, the founder, started, it was it was basically, it was incredibly scalable. Hmm. And so if you want to reach kids at scale in an engaging way and do it uh, and make a difference, you know, that that's who we are. I love it. What, um, before we go into the macro, what, um, because I have a lot of questions about just the great work you've been doing during COVID, um, the ever-changing landscape of distribution of information. When I think about Sesame, from my standpoint, it's one of the, I, I was born in Belarus, and it was Sesame Street was one of the ways I learned English. And I, you know, I also, we were poor, so we had no cable, so there wasn't a lot of channels, and Sesame Street was always there. Um, you know, when I think about Sesame in the 70s and 80s, from a consumption and reach standpoint, that was such a big advantage. You know, obviously now the fragmentation of media and streaming and CTV and so, curious in your perspective on that. I'm, pu- I'm pumped that for a lot of people, this might be the first time they've realized there's so much more to the organization than just that content. But before we go into all of that, I always like to talk to the person, you know, when you were a little guy, did you expect to be the CEO of Sesame? Like, like, give me a little, con- let's do three or four minutes on you, how you grew yeah. up, what kind of dude you were, uh, yeah. and your career, and then we'll bounce back to the macro. Yeah, 
So I, uh, I, I grew up in New York. I always say, did I expect to be, um, become the CEO of Sesame? No, but in retrospect, I probably should have. <laughs> I was born in 69 and Sesame was founded in 69. And as Gary and I were talking, it's also the last time the Jets won the Super Bowl. January 12th, one of the best days in history. I was negative six. You know, as I grew up with the memories of Big Bird sort of walking out on, on stage and sort of that comfort and warmth and, and now in retrospect, the knowledge that I actually got from it. But I was, um, you know, I was in some ways your normal sort of like kid. I love sports. I love being a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in my yearbook I had the thing, it's economically unsound to grow up <laughs> because I, you know, in, embraced the kingdom. Um, the journey wasn't straight. I did a lot of things. You know, my most recent, you know, spent a long time in Viacom. Mm-hmm. Back in the days building, you know, the biggest brands on a kind of a macro level like MTV, Nickelodeon, but then on a micro level like SpongeBob, you know, Endora, and sort of et cetera. And that's probably the journey that took me there. I saw the power of media. I saw how it can engage. I saw how brands cut across platforms uh, at, at various stages of the disruption and the digital transformation that you kind of just got to. Mm-hmm. And it was that like, and I got myself interested in more educational, working on some outside companies and being on some boards. And I'm like, wow, if I could harness my expertise in media and how that can engage and move people and sort of target it at a sort of at a, a cause and a mission because sesame entertains but it entertains in order to educate mm. if i could take that expertise bring it to sort of a smaller organization where i could have even more impact both from what it's doing but also in terms of the world i was like well that's a nice little career arc that it wasn't the goal when i started but it certainly became the natural goal as it went along good for you what, what did you go in at viacom as I went in, I was there 17 years. I, I was your, I'm, I'm one of your, uh, you know, business school guys. I McKinsey. I was McKinsey, yep. I went to Stanford. Yep. And I went into what- Were you always, were you always good at school? Like that came natural to you? It came, I always liked school and it came, you know, pretty natural. And I, what I liked, I don't even know it's the academic part, I just loved exploring ideas. Mm. You know, I was a history major in, in, in college and, and, you know, just who is it got obsessed with the how the past shapes the future and uh, yeah, I'm into that and too. actually it shapes and constrains the future. Mm. And I, I just love ideas and and, and the, the way ideas can shape the world and shape the mind. So, from that perspective, uh, I love you know school not enough to go get a PhD, it was really like how do you do it and make a difference in the real world. Um, not that PhDs don't make a difference in the real world, but it, it wasn't the temperament I was going to go to. I totally understand. What do you, when you're having dinner, actually let's go dinner conversation here a little bit. Yeah. You know, given that job, you're meeting people, mm-hmm. you know, obviously COVID's been weird, but like probably starting now and definitely before COVID, you're on board, you know, fundraisers, dinners, mm-hmm. kids, school, like, you know, in life. When, when you tell them you have this job, you know, it's not like a normal mundane, like, oh, you're executive. If you stayed at McKinsey, be like, oh, cool. Like, you like that? It, you get real reactions. Yeah. Right? You probably, I mean, I would argue, I'm sure I'm going to guess this pretty right. Minimally, seven out of eight or six out of 10 or seven, eight out of 10 people immediately go into an immediate story of how Sesame affected them or who they liked, right? Yeah, it, it is the, you know, you go in people's jobs, you have expectations. I think the one that I had not completely anticipated is how much the brand and the organization impacted people. people. Yeah. 
around the world. And I mean that around the world. But the story you told is one I did yeah. not go in eyes wide open, which yeah. is the number of people you go around learned English from Sesame. Yep. You, 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 you know, the number, you go to Japan, you go to the Middle East, you, you, you're yep. here and the immigrant children who said, yes, that's what I learned. Both parents and kids and adults. Or the memories that they had, how that, that either it touched them, it taught them, the, the um, you know, we have a board member um, who's Hispanic and who saw Maria growing up. Yeah, and it's huge, and, it's huge. And, and that sort of like um, representation, that validation of like. Uh, the representation was extreme on set. And I grew up in, you know, a lot of blue collar neighborhoods that had huge diversity. And um, I even remember like being affected by that, right? Like, you know, it, it, it was huge. Uh, to that point of people responding that way, uh, after they tell you like Maria did this or when Oscar the Grouch did that or I learned, you know, um, when people go into like, what's going on with it now? Like, you know, if we're having that combo, because I think it's important for people to hear this because I have a lot of affinity for the brand. What is going on with it now? Like what, like you've got a lot of very senior executives and a lot of entrepreneurs that are gonna change the world listening to this podcast. I think that's an important platform for them to hear on what, in a world where they may want to join or business develop with. What is going yeah. on now? Yeah. So um, one amazing thing, and, and this is probably a side of almost all of great companies and a tribute to the founders, and that gets you to the now, is Joan and Lloyd are the founders who are still alive today and like sometimes in reality and sometimes in spirit for my, my mentors. They had their North Star concepts. And a lot of them was what I wanted to do. And you know, focus on early childhood, focus on the whole child, and focus on leveraging media and technology to reach and engage. The what that means today is completely different. You know, and you know, when we started it was like and but what it what what drives us is not that like what are the issues that matter most, what are the ones relevant to kids, and how are we gonna reach them with the latest sort of technology and, mm-hmm. and, and, and media. And that is when we started. I mean, it's hard for most people on this podcast probably weren't even born back then. Four channel television channels, linear, no on demand. That's right. Literally, the show was reached seventy percent of all kids. It was preschool on TV. There were a hundred and something episodes, and it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. To do that today, you know, you you need to be yes on linear, yes on streaming, yes on yes on YouTube, yes on WhatsApp, yes on 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 TikTok. Yes, into schools. Yes, with community centers. Fragmentation. That's it, scale. It, it's the it's the necessity and it's a huge opportunity. And yep. what has made us keep driving is probably three things. Is one is making sure the content evolves and is engaging, because you can't you know we constantly change the show and iterating you know and, and making sure it's entertaining from that perspective. Making sure we're addressing the most relevant issues. And, and, and whether that's certain types of representation or when COVID happened or after the terrible tragedy of George Floyd, really leaning into self-identity and belonging. So now you're going to see it lean into, uh, you know, emotional health and well-being. And then making sure you're actually reaching the audiences <coughs> in the way. And it's not, it's this, that, and the other thing. And the beautiful thing that's transformed with us now is like we're used to completely be one to many. Because you had a TV, it was a dumb box that just, and now it's one to many, but now when we go digital, we go into communities, we go into schools, we can be one to few or even one to one. There's some amazing stuff we're doing in the Middle East on WhatsApp and really like targeting and delivering the message at the moment when you can to, 
Syrian refugee children and their families that need it most. So <laughs> the key for us is what's your North Star? Check it sometimes because it may evolve, but constantly evolve the playbook to adapt to the way consumers are playing and take advantage of the technologies that are at your hand to deliver. And that's what we have done. And I would say the last unique thing about us, which is opportunity and challenges, we're not for profit. We're an independent organization. If we were a for-profit, someone would have bought us by now, I always say. Yeah. Because that's how things go. So our we flipped on the side is we just make great partnerships. You know, we're as good as our partners, and whether that's partners to reach the audience, whether it's partners to fund our work, or whether it's partners to build the brand. And those are the three things we need. And, um, you know, allows us to stay true to North Star, get virtual scale, and have outsized impact um, for the size of who we are. I love that. What um what was most surprising in the beginning of COVID to now? If I said recap the day it all shut down to right now, from a brand standpoint or an execution standpoint, anything stand out? I think it could be a good insight for people. Yeah, for it, it, COVID for everybody was a transformational moment that changes in ways I don't think any of us really completely know yet. Right. But as our organization, it transformed us. Uh, and the moment it was like, oh my God, like everybody, we went home. But, you know, we also then a week later did the, I remember watching, um, watching Jimmy Fallon or someone doing their show from the, from the bathtub. And I was like, hey, you know what? We're a kids thing, but we're not animated. We are animated, but we're also live action. Get those Muppets home. Mm-hmm. Get them some cameras before they sell out on Amazon. And, you know, we're going to meet this moment and engage kids. And I think that it scared us because we're one that research-driven and thoughtful and we plan and we do this to make sure it's really having the educational impact. But here we realize, like, wow, kids need us now. Families need us now. And necessity was the mother of invention. We started to do some, you know, short form putting on YouTube. And then we're like, you know what? Wow, we can do this. We called up our friends, then Manuel Miranda. We called up Anne Hathaway. We did a special that went from completely remote, that went on air across seven channels, across Warner and PBS. I remember. BBC, NHK, uh, you know, TVS, Teca, sort of, et cetera. And I think where it transformed us as an organization was that, you know, we've been doing this for 50 years. So while we, we know what kids need, and even if it's only 90% right, getting 90% right in the moment was more important than 100%, 100%. A, year, a year later. So, By the way, well, for we, everyone who's listening, 72% right. Yeah. I mean, everyone's trying to be 100% right where 72 gets you into the Hall of Fame of business and communication. Yeah, and, and that is a, that gave us, and then again, we started doing these CNN town halls where we would green light it on a Monday and be on air on a Saturday addressing heavier <clears> issues, whether the, the fears and emotions of COVID or then we did this coming together special um, following George Floyd's death to helping kids and families cope. We, um, you know, it was, gave us confidence to trust our experience. You know what's funny when you talk about it, what the brand did was, in my opinion, was get out of its, its bubble and become more oxygen. Instead of being like this, like a thing, it became an overlaying oxygen in, in other distribution formats and topics. Yeah. It, 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 but playing into the DNA, which is that we know the issue kids and families and if you get the right partners, you can meet Yeah, to, to, your, to your point, it's a distribution and awareness 
statement, yep. not a essence of who you are statement. As a matter of fact, the essence of who you are gave you the permission for those people to want and need you to do that. Yeah, and I think it gave us the validation as we kind of that in times of crisis, people turn to brands they trust. And it's up to you as a brand to meet that moment or, or, or not. And I believe we met that moment and that's in some ways how, we history, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, that we ever had. I'm gonna go very nerdy and very selfish. I apologize, podcast listeners. Um, how does the organization, if it does at all, think about the ebb and flow of the characters who are most popular of the moment, right? So I, I think a lot about Elmo, yeah. his popularity today, yeah, I see it, right? Versus Big Bird's popularity in 1975 mm-hmm. versus Oscar and Grover. Mm-hmm. I think about the characters a lot where I would say that the face of the brand has evolved over the last 50 years. Is that a conversation? Do people, do people have like feelings like Oscar needs more shine? It, so a couple things. I, some of it is generational. I'm a big bird guy. Yeah. You, you know, when I grew up, there was no Elma. And so it is you know, always like that really hard interview question. We interviewed somebody like, so who's your favorite Muppet? Which I'm going to ask. I can guess who yours is, but like. You know who, my, you know who mine is? And has nothing. It's the reverse of my personality. Oscar the Grouch. Do you know why? I was going to say Oscar. No, was, you were not. Yes, I was. I'm proud of you, brother. Oscar's 100% my favorite character because he was green and that, and like green was the foundation of my Jets fan. Like, it's all been green. Yeah. It was all about green, you know? I also think he's sweet with a I mean, fake exterior. You'll love, we have a, in our upcoming season, you know, there are many ways we stay relevant. Some ways is having, you know, certain celebrities on. And we had um, Brett Goldstein. You know, Roy Kent, who you can imagine yeah. had a bond with Oscar. Yeah, so there, he is Oscar. He, His he character's written. And he did the special word of the, the letter of the day. What letter do you think it was? A? F. <laughs> I like the way he grunts like A. I, like, you know, it's so funny. When Roy Kent, I watched, I consumed more television during COVID than anything with Ted Lasso. Yeah. Yeah. I literally, literally believe his entire character is based on Oscar the Grouch. Uh, he that moment, him, there's a you know him and Scram going up to Oscars. You'll you'll see it. Season fifty three premiering, you know, um, very soon. But so the answer is, it, it is a bit of a generational thing, and yep. I don't know the personality thing in different generations. Um, and we do, uh, and today is no ambiguity. If you look at the Q scores of kids, it is Elmo. If you look at the Q scores of adults, it gets into like Cookie Monster and Grover. And, 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 do you know where I? You know, I just was sitting here as you were talking. I'm sorry to interrupt. I also have to give a huge shout out to Snuffleupagus. It was, he, he, Snuffy was so crazy. Like I was like, he's so, like he was just bigger than life. And so like. <laughs> no, no. Well that's other beauties. Like you have the core six, seven, eight, you know, Bert and Ernie obviously. Yep. Uh, yeah, huge. Yep. But then there are the, you go, it's a world. It, it, I don't know what I call it a Marvel universe, but it's a world of there's Snuffy. There's the, you know, there, there's the characters that people all have that special moment to. I think where we struggle with is that, and again, this is where the multiple platforms view. And the core show is, you know, too many characters overwhelm. Our core audience is kids for the show. Obviously, when you go beyond it onto TikTok, we, we sure. have a lot more broader. Core show, we, we need to keep the focus because if you have too many characters, you don't get the affinity. But the beautiful about all the various platforms, whether it's YouTube, whether it's TikTok, whether it's, um, you know, Twitter, where they all have their own character accounts, is you can actually interact with who you 
you know most sort of connect with and have that connect um, and have that sort of bond and it's um so that's how we sort of balance it but we definitely have the debate and we hope to rely on research because internally people i like this character i like that character and you try not to if you, if you fragment it too much of course because, um, from a kid's perspective but um it, it works in many other areas with, with five minutes to go in this great podcast yeah. and I, I could do this for five hours with you and i'd love to catch a drink sometime because yes. I, I between the jets and character development I, this we'll is bring you to the set I'm in. 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 I'm in. They're like I'm locking that in. Team, are you hearing this? I'm 100 percent in. Um, uh, what What have we not touched on that you want this audience to know, or some, or something that you're thinking about, or what, what have we not touched on? Um, you know, I think that some people don't, um, and then I'll leave a final thought, which I sort of mean from the bottom of my heart. I think people. Um, don't know completely the depth and breadth of the, the work that we're doing. I agree. We are truly, I agree. You know, there's, you, you've got alluded to like the U.S. Some things, you know, as we got into sort of all the stages of COVID. Yep. Um, to helping people, you know, families talk about all the issues that came up in the summer of twenty, you know, following George Floyd, and now we're taking on self identity and belonging in a, in a deep way. But there's the global work. You know, you coming from where you didn't know what we were global. Yep. And we've been global for, you know, it started as a quintessential American show in 69. Next year is going to be the 50th anniversary, continuous of the German version of Sesame Strasse. But now, you know, in a world that we try to, you know, prioritize the most vulnerable children as mission-driven um, not-for-profit and the issues that matter most, we are working in the Syrian refugee region, trying mm-hmm. to bring early childhood education with a great partner on the ground, IRC, um, combining mass media with direct services. We are in Bangladesh with some wonderful funding from Lego Foundation. You know, work in crisis settings in Latin America, in Africa, and now we are deep working on um, how we can support Afghanistan after last year and now in Ukraine. The, 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 the same sort of mantra, early childhood education, don't forget about it. They need food, they need shelter. Yeah. But if you lose that generation, you've lost a generation. And in some parts of the world, other forces will fill them in. Yes. And, and it has a lifetime impact. And I think that's something that people just don't know. The depth and breadth of, you know, some people used to call it Mapa Diplomacy. You know, we just call it like servicing all kids and, and, and making sure that we're having the greatest impact that we have. So that that's the, the domestic work and that we're much more than a TV show. You know, that we, we assume there's a media platform and a technology that kids and families are consuming and, and we are there. And that's where we want to continue. And what I leave is the mantra I will keep going. This goes to you too, Gary, by the way, which is like, we're as good as our partners. Yeah. So, you know, if someone, you know, everyone should care about kids because kids are the future. So if someone thinks that they can help us deliver there from reaching the audience from, from our financial perspective yep. or elevating the brand because the brand's the top of the funnel, you know, that that's the, to your audience. Um, and, and by the way, and having some fun too, because... <laughs> It's it, without fun, it, we don't engage in nothing. We always reach you can't teach. I, I agree. I think the fun and the stories and the characters is is the reach. And I think you know you've spoke on it. And obviously, you have a good grasp on it. The fragmentation of attention is very different than when this brand started, and that leads to enormous opportunity. I actually think it leads to deeper character development opportunities because you can segment in different yeah. ways. So. Nonetheless, this is super enjoyable. I look forward to, thank you for the invite. I will 100% take you up on it. All right, awesome. Thank you, my friend. Bye, bad dolphins.